Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Well, good afternoon, or let's see, it's actually about 11 o'clock in the morning for me right now as I'm recording this, and I'm on my second large cup of coffee. If you were here, I'd pour you some of this coffee. This coffee is, um, let's see, what is this coffee? I think this is a, oh, that's right, this is that Hawaiian uh, Kona coffee. Oh, wow, is it good. It smells wonderful, and then um, I just love coffee when it's hot and when it starts to cool down and changes, and oh, it's great stuff. Great stuff. If you were here, I would pour a cup of coffee for you, and we'd sit back and uh, we'd talk. We'd tell stories. (laughs) I got a story for you today. This one is about conflict. The title of today's podcast is Leaders Create Conflict. Leaders Create Conflict. So we had an interview a while back for the CFO, and uh, this CFO candidate came with all of the right credentials. She was was going to be perfect, but one of the key questions we like to ask, not only of candidates when we are hiring them, but of the people who work with them, for sure, is um, uh, how they think about conflict. In fact, we asked her to talk about conflicts that she had experienced. And we didn't close it off to work or family or we just left it open-ended. And I remember she sat back and physically recoiled even at the question. And then she began to to describe what, what was just like a deep aversion to any kind of interpersonal conflict at all. She squirmed in her chair and fiddled with a pen and gazed off in the distance almost a little bit as she recounted a few experiences were clearly unsettling to her is interesting to watch and then she said i absolutely hate conflict i avoid it at all cost and then she waved her hand like she was i don't know waving away some sort of putrid odor <laughs> she said i i work hard to ensure that we have a peaceful conflict-free environment all the time conflict is just an indication that something is really wrong then she sat back feeling, uh, looked to me, a little bit superior. (laughs) You know, that sentiment is held by a surprisingly high percentage of leaders that I've met. Their actions, probably their actions more than their words even, reveal a belief that the mere existence of conflict is a sign of failure, of their personal failure. They think that a perfectly led and managed organization will be characterized by the absence of conflict. And then take that to an extreme. This can mean that disagreement of any sort, however carefully presented, is also seen as a form of conflict. When we work from the premise that conflict is to be avoided at all costs because it's an awful thing, we actually create six unintended consequences that are difficult, perhaps even impossible to manage. Let's go through all six. The first unintended consequence is that conflict goes underground. Well, you know, it still exists, but since it's thought to be a signal that something is deficient in our working relationships or in our leadership, this 
Conflict simply submerges beneath smiles and shallow conversations and deft subject changes. It retreats into quiet, dark corners. It's the source of passive-aggressive behavior and duplicity. The second unintended consequence of this philosophy that conflict is to be avoided at all costs is that it gets called by another name. Oh, it's not conflict. I'm just pushing back. Oh, it's not conflict. It's passion. It's not conflict between you and me. It's nothing personal. <laughs> it's conflict between us and them. That's the natural yet unintended result when conflict goes underground. The third unintended consequence of this thought process around conflict is that we miss out on innovation and creativity. In my experience, most, if not all, innovation results from the discomfort evoked by conflict. Every truly innovative idea, especially those that are actually implemented, they're not just staying in the idea stage, was born out of conflict and matured in conflict. The fourth unintended consequence, we don't know ourselves as well as we could. Therefore, we don't do as well as we could. Without this purifying heat of conflict, we simply don't know ourselves. Our motives and our mental models and our measurements are invisible to us without that great big no that conflict presents. There's a fifth unintended consequence. We don't know other people as well as we could. I remember as I raised my three children telling them that they would not truly know who their friend was until they told them no. And the sixth unintended consequence of thinking conflict is bad in and of itself, this is the most tragic of all the six, nothing changes. We don't change our habits, our disciplines, our plans. Those sharp edges of our personalities don't get polished off. Our goals don't change. Even our values stay self-focused and self-centered without conflict. Because our powerful survival brains are going to go to great lengths to keep things the way they are. <laughs> of course, they'll do that until the way they are threatens our comfort and eventually our survival. Every step of maturity you and I have ever gained as leaders or in our teams or in our enterprises was won through conflict. If you're a leader or a manager or a supervisor or an influencer of people, your approach to conflict, your mental model about conflict is among the most important of your competencies. It is predictive of your lasting effectiveness because it's impossible to lead, especially when it really matters, without well-managed conflict. In fact, leaders create conflict. By the acts of leading, we generate conflict. Because, you know, as, as leaders, we envision some part of the future and we are so compelled by it that we must work to bring it about. We describe it to those we lead and we paint a powerful and compelling vision of it and the panorama of detail to the degree that we can, complete with the emotions and the passions and the sights and the smells and, and the benefits not only end up compelling us, but they also compel those who listen. And here's what I've noticed, that when we step out and do that, 
we will elicit two reactions. Some people will see that picture of the future and they'll be likewise compelled. And they'll ask, what do they need to do? What do they need to change, start, stop, a combination of those in order to get to that future? But others will see it and be threatened by it. And they'll ask what they need to do to make sure that it doesn't happen. Now, they probably won't ask us as leaders. They'll smile and nod. They'll ask themselves and they'll ask other people, how do I stop this from happening? Both of those reactions lead to conflict. Achievement of that worthy vision always means well-worn and comfortable norms will change. So the only way for you as a leader to avoid conflict is to not lead, just to leave things as they are and hope, petting the fur off of your hope, <laughs> that the desired future will somehow arrive unaided on its own. I think that's a vain and dangerous hope. What do you think? Well, the other way is for leaders to recognize conflict for what it is, a mixture of opportunity and threat. It's not a war. It's the normal response of our comfort-seeking survival brains. It's not a tragedy. It's not a threat to our status or to our worth or our certainty or our security. It's essential. Recognizing this and then learning to step into it with humble curiosity and then moving through it to create something new on the other side is leadership at its core. Tattoo that on your soul. The next time conflict arises, even if it's buried under the dead-eyed smiles and manipulative distractions of passive-aggressive resistors, <laughs> lean in and lead. In the end, of course, we didn't hire that CFO candidate. And she agreed with our decision, and she kept looking. Later, we heard that she believed that our culture, which leans into conflict and sees it for what it is, was just too riddled with disagreements and too uncomfortable for her, too much conflict for her to be successful. I think she was probably correct. Well, there you have it. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'm having a great day recording this podcast and thinking about you sitting across from me here at this wonderful table with a great cup of coffee. Well, you know what? You're doing good work. Keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.